Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. Hello again, everyone. I'm Darren Javag. Welcome to Clean Break, the podcast. Today, I'm joined, uh, as always, with my ever, uh, ever present and and dependable <laughs> Tina Murray. How are you, Tina? Hello, Darren. I am great. How are you today? Good. I'm, I'm trying to find new ways to introduce, to introduce you, right? Me, right? <laughs> yeah. but you just, I'm just the same person, bubbly and excitable. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Clean Break. We have a new guest that's never been on our show today. She's actually a new member of DivorceNet. And so I would like to introduce Kimberly Smith. And Kimberly is an insurance advisor, has been an advisor for about 20 years, started out 20 years ago as an assistant, and then uh, decided to go out on her own. She has been married, wow, for 39 years. Jeez, she's got us beat. I guess, <laughs> a little bit. She doesn't look a day over 29. <laughs> uh, and so she is uh, the mother of an RCMP officer and three wonderful grandchildren and has some volunteer things she likes to do in the community. So welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you for having me. So give us, since I kind of recapped quite a bit of your bio uh, already, give us something, another little tidbit. Um, Like you said, I started with MetLife as an agent assistant 20 years ago. Decided I really liked helping people, helping the advisors. I thought I would start on my own. MetLife had a lot of different changes. Went from the MetLife to the Mutual Group to Clerica to Sun Life. Mm. Been a lot of changes in the industry, I think, over the last uh, 20 years or so, eh? Yes, there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things when we first met, we talked over the phone, you were telling me about, we were just talking about life insurance and, and you mentioned something that I had never even, I don't even know that I've even heard of it before, but joint life insurance policies. So I know I have a life insurance policy. My husband has a life insurance policy. I'm the beneficiary on his. He's the beneficiary on mine. Mm-hmm. Although I'll have to talk to you about that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what is a joint policy? What's the difference between a single policy and a joint policy? A joint policy has two or more lives on it. A single policy is an individual policy on one life. With a joint policy, it can be husband and wife. It can also be business partners. Mm. And okay. and let, let me ask you a question. In with joint policies, is there it like would a policy pay twice if both people passed away, or would it only pay like one one benefit, or how does that work? It depends on the policy, it depends on the company. Mm-hmm. Some policies that are joint, every person is insured for the same amount. So that when one person dies, the policy will carry on for the next person. Some policies only pay once. And then when the one person passes away, the insurance ends. It depends. You can have joint first life to die. You can have joint last life to die. You can also have straight joint policies, all different types of policies. Hmm. And when would you advise somebody to get a joint policy versus a sole? Usually I advise that on business partners. When the company is owning the policy and then you have a joint policy on both business partners. On married couples, a lot of times I look at individual policies for the married couples with, as you said, Tina, my my life insurance policy is my own with my husband as my beneficiary. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So tell me a little bit about the ins and outs of what happens to a joint policy in, in the case of a divorce. In the case of a divorce, with some companies, some insurances, say, for example, you have a $200,000 life insurance policy, some companies will split that evenly for each insured. Each person will have 200000 Some companies will split, each person will have 100000 each. And some companies do not do an even split. Some companies, 150 for one, one person, 50 for another person. Hmm. Okay. So now what happens uh, with those policies? Because if someone has a life insurance policy, they, they have to qualify for it, don't they? they with, their, with their health and their age? Yes, correct. Right. So yes. now if, if something happens in divorce where people go their separate ways, do the people have to rewrite the policy? Do they have to like, if they're going to change a joint policy, do they have to get new insurance and then requalify? What happens when a policy is split? The original policy is canceled. Two new policies are created. You do not have to pass insurability, which means you don't have to answer medical questions again. But the premiums that you pay will be the age you're at when the, ha when the split happens. So you will have to pay more. And I guess that would be important too. Like if somebody took a policy 15 years ago mm -hmm. and now they're getting divorced and then they have to get a new policy, either you're 15 years older, mm -hmm. that would probably impact the premium, right? it would impact it quite a bit. And also if you have a whole life policy that happens to be joint, then you could have cash value in the policy. The cash value then may not be split evenly between the two insured. Wow, oh, okay. okay. All right, so that's like an asset. It's like basically having a savings account and, and people look at it like an insurance policy, but really it's a ca there's cash in there for the people to split in the, in the family property. That's correct. That's correct. Many of my joint policies are for mortgages, though. So in a term insurance, there is no cash value. But in order to split a policy, it is a lot of, of information that has to be gathered, a lot of paperwork to split a policy. But the main thing is you're going to be paying more money because even if you've gone five years in that policy or 15 or 20 years in that policy, you're that much older. Mm hmm. Right. So are there, is it a difficult process to split a joint life insurance policy? There is a lot of paperwork involved on my side and the company's side, but it also depends on the company. Some companies will allow a split and it's a very even one piece of paper done. Some will not allow a split after age 55. Mm. Why? It's just company policy. It depends on the company. It depends on the type of insurance. So do you advise couples? Like I know you said that a lot of your joint policies are for mortgages. Is, do you advise that in, in the beginning if people are coming to you? Because, uh, you know, I, I am a mortgage agent. And so I do have a lot of clients and I, you know, I, I have, you know, the the mortgage protection that the that the. I mean, lenders, individual lenders will offer life insurance, life and disability, and then are mostly just life. And then I have another policy that's, you know, that's offered to my clients. And, and I always say to them, I, I don't care what you get. You just need to get life insurance. If you want to take this for now, it's, you know, free to start, but please get life insurance. And particularly with young couples, it's never going to get any cheaper. So when they come to you and do you say, okay, well, in, a, in the case of a mortgage, it's better to do a joint policy? I actually, when I'm sitting with a client, I try to get the feel of 
of how they interact with the uh, with each other. I do like to do individual policies for this case because I've had to do a lot of splits mm-hmm. with divorces. So I prefer to do a individual policy on each other. Yeah. And if you're doing a life insurance policy that's not with a bank, as a broker as I am, yeah. I'm not connected to your mortgage. So right. your life insurance policy is not connected to your mortgage, yeah. which is very important. Because if you are to sell your home, for example, then you're in a lot of cases, your life insurance policy is also gone. Mm-hmm. and You have to reapply. If you have a life insurance policy with a broker, you don't have to worry about that. We, can, we have separate policies in place. You can change the beneficiary unless it's in your separation agreement that you mm-hmm. must name each other as, uh, as beneficiaries. So when when that happens, I can see you. You like the steam starting to come out of her ears. She's like, "Okay, I got some ideas here." Go, no, I forgot. Go. Oh, no. All right. Well, you keep thinking. Yeah, I got another question. Yeah. So let me ask you something, uh, Kimberly. Does does term insurance drop like mortgage insurance? Like you know, like you're, as you're paying your mortgage down, they're only covering the mortgage, right? In mortgage insurance. So does term insurance go down like the same way, or does it stay like the same? Or how does that work? There's a couple of different kinds of mortgage insurance. There are term insurance that are reducing terms, which means that as you pay the the mortgage down, the term goes down. But in most of the cases, term insurance goes up after the specific number of years that you've locked in the term. For example, if I do a mortgage insurance with somebody, if I do a 25-year term, after 25 years, that uh, cost that you're going to pay monthly or annually is going to take a significant jump. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But does the the benefit of the policy go down? Uh, like like because if you if something happens to a partner and the mortgage is they started out at three hundred thousand and now it's a hundred thousand, the insurer is only going to cover a hundred thousand of the mortgage in a mortgage mortgage insurance. in mortgage insurance. But in term, does it work the same way? If the term insurance is with a broker as myself, no, the the amount of insurance stays level. Unless you've actually opted for reducing term insurance, that means the amount of insurance is going down. Most of my term insurance, I would say 90, 99% are all uh, the level term. So the amount of insurance, say a $300,000 policy, that will stay as a $300,000 policy. Okay, I remember my question, separation agreement. Separation agreement and life insurance. How, I mean, I come into you, I just in the middle of my divorce, I have my separation agreement and I'm like, I don't want to have my husband on that anymore. He's not my beneficiary. Is there any legal obligation on your part (laughs) to check that, that separation agreement? How do you, how do you enforce that? The client comes to you and says, like to remove my spouse off my mortgage insurance, my life insurance. I... That's a very hard question. Mm-hmm. It is. I try to trust my clients if they have a separation agreement in front of me and it shows that it actually has to have the uh, client as the beneficiary, the ex-client as a beneficiary, then I try to follow those rules. But if the client owns the policy, if um, client A owns the policy and she comes to me and says, I want my husband off the policy, I have to follow what she says because she owns the policy. Now, if she makes her ex-husband the owner of the policy, she cannot do anything. The ex-husband owns the policy, and then it's up to him what happens to that policy. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the best ways to deal with those situations is ensuring that the person who has the benefit mm -hmm. of it is, is able to control it. Yeah. I mean, another thing is, I believe there's something called an irrevocable beneficiary. Can that Correct. be added? You can have an irrevocable beneficiary, which means the ex-husband could be named as irrevocable beneficiary, which means no changes can be made to that policy other than address change, that sort of thing, but without his or her permission. Right. Would you ever advise, let's just say you hold two policies for two, you know, you hold two life insurance policies, one for each spouse, they're not joint. And um, at the end of the day, like I own mine with him being the beneficiary, he owns his with me being the beneficiary. Would you ever advise to switch so that, that I own my, I own his policy, he owns mine? Is that something that would... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it actually is something that we, yep, <laughs> Darren is right. Yes, we, we can do that. Uh, it is paperwork to do. There is no um, medical that has to be done for it. You can do it. Um, if you think that your spouse is going to cancel their life insurance policy on you, mm -hmm. then maybe that is an option, a way to look at it. Each own each other or each name each other is irrevocable beneficiaries. Hmm. You and have you to have, you have to lock it in somehow. So right. that you know that your particular ex-spouse isn't going to change everything. And especially if there's children involved. Right. So irrevocable, I understand what the word irrevocable is, but I'm just trying to understand, like, I would never have no, I don't, I don't know if my policy indicates my husband as irrevocable beneficiary. Nobody's ever had that conversation with me. Mm -hmm. How how does that work? Like when you're setting up the policy, do you just automatically set it up like that? Or do you ask or how does that process work? It's automatically set up as revocable beneficiary, unless you actually specify you want it irrevocable. Okay. And if when there is a, a change in a beneficiary, we actually ask the person, do you want it revocable or irrevocable? But the standard is revocable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gives flexibility. Meaning that you can change it at any time. Yeah, right. Sure. So I would think most people would never know that. Right. I know mm, that separation absolutely. agreements, but how would I know or how would a spouse know that their 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 ex had not followed through with keeping the policy number one mm. or changing the beneficiary? Yeah. Well, I know I what what Jim said in the past that, you know, like when they even though you finish and you sign your your separation agreement, there's ongoing commitments that have to be maintained. So like there might be a clause in the separation agreement that says you have to show proof that you have the insurance that you agreed to okay. on an ongoing basis. So okay. if it shows, you know, 2019 and now it's 2021, but you can't show a, uh, a statement from 2021, then you'd be like, well, you got to either go find insurance or, right. you know. Or the judge comes in. Yes. I guess it's the same as when you're <laughs> having um, to, to show income. Yeah, it's the same thing. Every year you're showing yeah. income every year. For yeah. support payments right. and stuff like that. Right. So I have a question for you, Kimberly. Um, uh, and, I, and I've seen, and I've heard this before, but is like, I, I know, and I, maybe this is your experience too, Tina, with mortgages, but when you're doing a mortgage insurance, um, there's usually a couple of questions they ask about health and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and, I, and I know from the insurance side, typically the, it's a little more strenuous about how they ask questions. So the, I guess called the underwriting. Yes. Um, so, so in your business is, what do you, what do you think, Mike, what, what, what is that? Why, why is it like that? Like, is there underwriting on mortgage insurance and is it the same as underwriting on, on term or life insurance? Is it the same type of underwriting? And, and, and does it guarantee a payout? 
like because it's like you know right that you hear about all those you know bank mortgage insurance and they are not underwritten they're not what is the word underwritten uh, yeah but i'm seeing ahead of time right oh yeah so they're pre-underwritten pre-underwritten yeah. right? right so then people die and then the bank finds a way to say yep sorry too bad you lied or whatever right so what's in my experience um and i've had this happen where i've had a client that had bank life insurance covering the mortgage and when the person died the bank said, I'm sorry, but you lied on your application. Mm. The difference with an insurance company that underwrites upfront and most banks is that we do underwrite upfront. We ask 30 some questions upfront. Mm -hmm. The bank's question you get um, on a mortgage application, you get the question that says, have you ever been tested for high blood pressure, cancer, heart attack, stroke? Yes. So when you go into the doctor's office and you have a blood pressure cup put on, you are tested for high blood pressure. Yes. So you have said no on that application. You Ooh, have actually lied on your application. I never thought of that. <laughs> You've lied. You have, uh, Tina, you go in and you have a pap test. Yeah. You're tested for cancer. You oh, have to say yes on that application. That either. If you say no, you have lied on that application. The bank can come back and say, no, you've lied. Are you wow. Okay, and you just our, added our... a whole new layer to, to what I what I knew in the past, but this is another layer up. I didn't even think about these things. Wow. And, that's, that's and there was actually a um a whole uh program on marketplace about yes, this. a few years ago. A few mm -hmm. years ago, and I've shown it to my clients and they have just cannot believe it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the I question mean, I... and the question that we ask is have you ever been treated for? Mm. Right. Not tested for. That is the terminology. Because when I did my very, very first mortgage, I wrote no, 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 thinking I don't have cancer. I don't have a heart. I haven't had a heart attack. I don't have can. You know, I haven't had a stroke. Yeah. But actually, that's lying on your application, because the term is treated for and not tested for. Right. Right. I know like I, and I'm, again, I don't, I always advise my clients to not take the bank insurance and because it's not transferable uh, if you sell your home, et cetera. So the, the policies that we do offer are better than that. Better than nothing. Better, better than nothing. No, but the policies that I offer through my, my mortgages are transferable. Oh. They, you can top them up and they, and I, always advise my clients if you're going to take the insurance do not answer any of the questions oh because if they don't answer the questions guess what they get a phone call oh, okay so that it's pre-underwritten mm. but again i always tell my clients because i understand the insurance policies to a degree and so i always like i say go see a life insurance person I got one last question I got to ask right, this because yeah, we we're talking insurance. Minutes. We've got two minutes, yeah. but I want to ask you about risk, right? Because when you're looking at an insurance policy, how do you come to that number? Is it just debt or do you just throw a dart at the wall and say, hey, you need a million dollars? Like how, how do you guys come to that assertion of what they need? We actually have to do a needs analysis. It's actually required for us to actually submit every application with a needs analysis. And we go through how much is your mortgage? How much do you own in credit card debt? Mm -hmm. Do you have children? Do you oh. want to see them go to college, university? So we put in the costs for that. Do you have children that require childcare and this kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, what do you have for assets? What do you, any other liabilities? 
And then we come up with a calculation that we actually have to do. And it shows this is actually how much you need. This, you only may want to have 200,000, but you may require 2 million. Right. And it's kind of, it, when you think about it, it's kind of like you're ensuring their ability to earn income, mm-hmm. right? It, and it's yeah. not really a number per se. It's about what you're going to, what are you going to make over the next 10, 20 years in income? Mm-hmm. And then, and, and how are you going to replace that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It used to be that you had to do 10 times your salary. That was kind of the rule that they did, uh, that you also, you always had to have 10 times your salary as an as a life insurance policy. Now they're a lot more detailed. Yeah. I know that I will always tell my clients, you know, somebody will say, well, my, my wife doesn't need a life insurance because she, she's a stay at home mom. And I'm like, even more so she needs life insurance because what happens if she does pass now, all of a sudden you don't have a stay at home mom that's probably worth a hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. because you need childcare. You need right. somebody to take care of the house. You need that's somebody right. to do the meals, somebody to cook and clean. Yeah. Um, you don't need a maid, but you need the yeah. money to take care of things for you so that you can continue to work and make an income. That's it. You I know? think those are the things people probably don't think about. Yeah, they I just agree. see the debt and yeah. that's all they need. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Well, I know that insurance is a, is a heavy topic and we could probably, I mean, divorce aside, you could talk about it forever, but I, I do think that, you know, that insurance. I, actually, I, I use it to put my wife to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> I usually talk mortgages to put my husband to sleep. <laughs> So uh, thank you, Kim, for joining us today on the show. Can you tell us uh, how to get in touch with you? Um, I can be reached through my cell, which is 613-818-0278, or my email, which is uh, ksmith at Kimberly, which is K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y smith.ca. I always have to spell it because people spell Kimberly wrong all the Without time. The e. Yes. And <laughs> you are now a member of DivorceNet. So welcome yes. to the to the organization. So obviously we will have all of your information on our DivorceNet website. So that might be the easiest place to go for resources and easy yes. to know because everybody knows DivorceNet. So thank, thank you, you very much for having me for, for joining us today on the show. Thanks. All right. So at that, we'll we'll wrap it up. And we'll say, take care of yourselves, get organized, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. Divorcenet.ca, clear and simple divorce advice from trusted local professionals.